and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I'm Corbin's vocal, and as always, joining me as my co-host, the donkey in my life, I'd say, Cody Webb. Cody, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. Yeah, super pumped for this episode. I think in this universe, maybe I'd be like Pinocchio or, you know, <laughs> one of the different characters. I don't know about Donkey, but uh, yeah, Jack Spear, this, this should be a fun one. I'm very excited to talk Puss in Boots, and I'm very excited to talk about it with our guest, welcoming to the show another one of my siblings. We had Kate on in the past. We're welcoming Kindy's of Oakle to talk Puss in Boots. Kindy, how's it going? Good. Super pumped to be here. Uh, Puss in Boots is like the perfect first podcast for me to join on, so... I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you sent us a couple different options and and really Puss in Boots popped off. Both is like a good one to talk about and also probably the perfect one to talk about with you because uh, just of who you are. And I know that <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah, Puss in Boots goes back, but we'll get into that. Um, I do want to say, Cody, I think this is Jason Webb. This is the official call out. Where's he at? <laughs> That's true. I need to step up my sibling game, I think. I mean, you got two down. I'm still at zero, so... Yeah, I'm gonna have to give J Web a call and uh and get him on the get him on the pod because it's it's overdue, I think. Yeah, definitely. All right, <laughs> let's uh get into it. Puss in boots. We'll start with why. Why, 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 why so serious? Kindy, why did you want to talk about Puss in Boots? This was honestly, I think, one of the best animated movies I've seen in a really long time. And in terms of like a sequel, I think it's very rare that you get a sequel that's just way better than the first one and kind of blows the first one out of the water in my opinion i've always loved the original one it's kind of just like a goofy fun cat movie but i felt (laughs) like this one was like a legitimately good movie for more than just those reasons um so there's just a lot to like about this one yeah we'll talk about the differences between the two as we kind of get through this uh episode but in my opinion it was my favorite animated movie of last year i know pinocchio won the oscar cody i don't know how you feel after seeing this movie but uh i'm definitely excited to talk about it it's also only the second animated movie we've ever done and the first one being chicken little which cody hates so i'm sure <laughs> yeah. he's glad to finally get a good good animated movie off the board that's very true yeah you had to bring up chicken little of course but uh, yeah we're kind of low on animated movies so i think definitely a fun pick uh, going forward i do want to do some more i've been throwing uh throwing out ratatouille a bunch and corbin is not a massive fan of that one but eventually we'll have it on but yeah i love animated movies and uh this is a great one to talk about i think and I mean, of course, notably, we did do a Pinocchio episode, which is a little bit different. Yeah. And and maybe we should have included this movie in that episode because it does feature a slight Pinocchio cameo. True. I mean, we would have covered every Pinocchio piece of the year at that point, which I thought we did. But yeah, definitely not. Apologize for missing out on that. Right? <laughs> Let's uh, move over to Do You Remember? This one might be a little bit easier, but uh, let's let's start with you, Cody, because I think uh, you can probably pre- pretty vividly remember the first time you watched this movie. Yeah, you know, just just a little bit. Uh, this was my first time seeing it, actually. I did miss it in theaters, unfortunately. I, I think I was possibly the only one who didn't go see it based off the box office. But yeah, saw it on Peacock yesterday uh, on my big screen. And uh, yeah, that was a good experience. You know, I feel like this one, maybe it's it's OK to miss in the big screen. It's not, you know, visually the the craziest thing so uh, obviously pretty recent for me though so i do have a little bit of recency bias so take that for you you know what it is as well what about you kindy what was the first time you watched this um i want to say it was like the first week or two it was out so back in december took connor to go see it and 
Uh, thought it would be a good one for us to both go see. I think it's rare that there are movies that both of us will like really, really enjoy because his threshold for like a good kids movie is a little bit lower than mine. Um, but this is one I thought we'd both like. And I actually, after having watched it in the theaters and at home now, I thought it was one that was like a really great theater experience. And normally like with an animated movie, I wouldn't, it's not that big of a deal for me to see it in theaters, but I thought that one was really cool in the theater. So I'm glad I saw it. Well, it's also an interesting thing. Cody, you mentioned the box office. This movie made $470 million worldwide. It was a huge hit, an unexpected hit, no doubt. But I think the people, the thing that like people discounted is the power of like there being a movie for families and kids and parents to go see. Right now at the movie theaters, there hasn't, nothing has come out since Puss in Boots that has been like a family movie, an animated movie. And I think that's really unfortunate because there would be a lot of money to be made and there would be, you know, a lot more opportunities for people to go to the theaters and to see things and to, you know, start that, uh, you know, out early. There's been a conversation about whether animated movies should even be put out in theaters. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, Disney has put a lot of their movies on Disney+. Plus rather than releasing them in theaters. Obviously, COVID had a factor in that. But even as we enter the post-pandemic world, they've kind of still been, you know, Turning Red came out last year exclusively on Disney+. Plus. It wasn't in theaters. I think this movie proved that there was a basis at the box office for it, which I'm excited um, for the future of that. I will say it was a great theater experience. It was really fun to see in theaters, particularly because of the bright, you know, flowing animation style. It, it looks good on a big screen. Um, I actually saw this movie in November, really weirdly. They just did like one day of early screenings. It was at the mall in Jersey City, so not even like in New York. Just Saturday, November 26th, the weekend of Thanksgiving, they were doing a special Puss in Boots early screening at like 3 p.m. So me and I went, we saw it, we were like, wow, this is really good. And then nobody saw it for a month, so we never even really got to talk about it with anyone but yeah, excited that it, it has come out and has been so successful. That is cool. You saw it early too. And uh, November 26th, that's actually uh, my sister's birthday. So we're just circling all siblings in this episode, which I love. But yeah, that is weird too. You saw it like a month early. Did they have like a veto? You couldn't say anything about it, like online or anything like that? No. It was just, really? I mean, <laughs> Antonio Banderas did an intro before the movie where he's like, thanks for coming to see this in theaters. You know, we really wanted this, you know, as Tom Cruise did before Top Gun and as yeah. stars did throughout 2021, Margot Robbie and Diego Calvo before Babylon, Antonio Banderas was there. Hey, thank you for coming to see this movie early, <laughs> which I mean, shout out to him. Yeah, shout out to Antonio. I mean, takes a lot of work to do that. So yeah, big ups. Had you seen the first movie? Were you a fan of it? Yeah, I saw the first one. I mean, when it even come out, it came out forever ago. Well, that's the thing. It's 11 years and two months distance yeah. between these two movies yeah. which outside of disney animated movies that's the longest gap between like animated sequels ever that's crazy honestly i did not know that but yeah, i saw the original way back i don't remember a ton from it i haven't rewatched it in a bit but i mean humpty dumpty was just unbelievably forgettable i feel like and just not a very good character to kind of circle that story around from what i remember but i mean it's antonio bear is in like one of his best roles weirdly enough so it's a good character, obviously, in the Shrek movies. It's it's pretty iconic as well. So, I mean, keep making spinoffs like this in that universe, and I really think you can't go wrong. Absolutely. Let's get into our initial thoughts. Good morning, Vietnam! I'll start. Obviously, the, the first thing that you notice in watching this movie is the difference in the animation style. The Shrek movies and a lot of animated movies that DreamWorks made had this very 
realistic based on, you know, how would a camera move, move in real life? How would you shoot something type of animation? Whereas this movie, you can call it the end of the Spider-Verse effect. It's completely off the wall. It's got extremely bright colors. The camera is switching perspectives and moving all around in ways that would not happen in the real world. It feels very much like the, you know, the Miles Morales swinging through the sky and, and comic book stuff happening around him, or even, you know, similar to like anime influence um, as well. So I, I think you got to comment on the animation style, which I love. Um, what do you think, Cody? Are you a fan of it in this movie? I'm a massive fan. That was one of my first talking points as well. I mean, it really does feel like super comic booky, which I mean, that's not where this material really comes from in a sense, but I still really love the style. Just that opening scene where he's fighting the massive giant, I think like visually is probably the best one in the movie for me. And then there's kind of like points too, where like if somebody's running at somebody else, like kind of a weird angle and then there's just like lines going past them. I don't know. Everything in general, visually in this movie, I think is really, really cool. And like you said, like it is kind of spawned from the Spider-Verse stuff, but I think it's kind of the new wave of animation. And like you said too, I mean, anime has a massive effect on it too. And just how popular that has gotten, I feel like in the past few years. I mean, decades. we're seeing Creed movies that are based on anime. I think it's fair to say that it has really begun to infiltrate yeah. itself into Western culture in a meaningful way. Again, with the box office success, hopefully Hollywood is like, and same with Spider-Verse too, like critic, critic success, uh, fan success. Like why stop you know, making this kind of movie? So I think we're going to see a lot of it in the coming years, which maybe we'll get some oversaturation, which we do in every genre, but I'm excited to see more like in this style for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the two big things that like I left the movie thinking about were the wolf, which was just like terrifying to me. Like I left and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the scariest thing I've ever seen in a kid's movie. And then the other thing, like you guys have already mentioned, the animation. I've seen a lot of people comparing it to Into the Spider-Verse, which I still have not seen. So I've seen that comparison. It's been on my list for a while, just haven't gotten around to it. But I definitely picked up on like the anime um aspects to it um that is something I did notice and it was just super unique I haven't seen a kids movie like that ever and I thought it was really cool really interesting I think it really elevated the movie and made it a lot better yeah and I think it fits this story and is that's what it's why it's okay the other Shrek movies and even the first person like they're more comedies more than anything else and I think this one was so much more action adventure that it makes sense to switch to a style that would reflect that and, and make that more fun and more interesting to watch. In general, I think this is a really fun movie. Like you said, the tone is a lot different, I think, from the first one. Like I said, from what I remember. But character-wise, I think it's perfect for both Puss in Boots and the Shrek universe. But it kind of just gives them that extra layer of, this is a bit of a different character. I mean, we see his past eight lives, you know, his confidence obviously varying a little bit from that coming into his ninth life. I think it's just really cool kind of to see a character go through like an existential crisis for the kind of dealing with the fear of death. And then you add in, uh, like Kennedy said, a great villain. I think the wolf is, is one of the best we've seen in animation in a while. His style, his fighting, his even just like his weapons, I really like. And then he's got that just really dope whistle. Uh, definitely add that in. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But that so whistle. creepy. Yeah, it's so creepy, but. So good at the same time. And like coming into that, I did not expect anything like that from a movie like this. So 
overall, I did like it. I do have some issues with it in general. Um, maybe a little bit overstuffed with some of the other characters and villains, which we'll get to. But yeah, overall, I think this is a really fun movie. You said it was kind of a surprise for you, and I think it was a surprise for a lot of people. I love Puss in Boots. I think Shrek 2 is the best Shrek because of the introduction of Puss in Boots. Um, I've even back when it was coming out, I watched some of the Puss in Boots like animated TV show that was in 2015. Uh, it like popped up on it was it's not even Antonio Banderas. It's like somebody doing an Antonio Banderas impression. Um, but I still watched that. So you know, I was invested, but you know, I think a lot of people counted this movie out. The cast is kind of like there's some good people in it, but it's not extremely deep in the way a lot of animated movies nowadays are so stacked and layered. Um, you know, it, it's just a good couple heavy hitters at the top. And, you know, people were just like the last Puss in Boots movie was fine. But uh, no, I, I think this movie was fantastic and um, excited to get further into it with you guys. Uh, let, let's talk about the trailer. We are gathered here today to say goodbye to Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. You are down to your last life. You need to retire. Oh. Oh, brother cats, sister kitties, meet your new roommate. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to be a fearless hero, a legend. This is a person party. That's your party. So this is where dignity goes to die. The years start coming and they don't stop coming. Your puss in boots? Let's talk. No hablo inglés. ¿Hablas español? Yo también. ¿De dónde eres? ¿Te gustan las siestas? I don't speak Spanish either. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, What's your story? My story. What are we looking at? Cats have nine lives. Watch! 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 Boss! I think you set the oven too high! Now I am on my last life. Oh no! Only shooting star! Legend tells of a wishing star, of a single wish waiting to be granted. Kitties of Boss, I need your help. Is the great posing boots asking for help? Well, you see, uh... <laughs> Get it, please! That wish could get me my life's back. Okay, okay, possum face. I won't make you back. The trailer that we're discussing is the third trailer. Um, Kendi, I'll throw over to you. What did you think about it? It sets the stage for what you would expect. I feel like it's a pretty solid trailer in that way. Um, it kind of shows you Puss in Boots is hit rock bottom. He's on his last life. And you see that there's maybe, you know, Kitty Soft Paws is back. You see that there's this scruffy little dog, Perito, has joined the group. It only shows the wolf, I think, for maybe like a couple of really small clips. And so I thought that was important because while that's such a huge part of the movie, I think it's better to like not know necessarily going in. Um, so I liked that that wasn't like a, a large part of the trailer because I think that's just such a like a creepy, important part to the movie and the story. And I'm glad that it wasn't a large part of the trailer. Because, I mean, it's a little bit of a first act, second act, like twist a little bit that, oh, the wolf is death. So I think it's important to hold that stuff back and not show off too much, especially when his moments are so cool. You don't want to give that up. Cody, this trailer uses uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. I feel like you're either going to love or hate that. So what's your take on it? <laughs> That's pretty much the first thing I noticed off the bat with this trailer. Uh, come on, dude. I love that. I, okay. <laughs> it's it's clearly, you know, just trying to catch some nostalgia with, with the Shrek movies. But I mean, I'm a sucker for that song in general. 
So I, I like seeing that. And it's kind of just a nice throwback. I wish that was in the movie, honestly. Just play All-Star in every movie and I'll be happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do agree with Kendi. I mean, it gives away some plot points, but I think this is a good trailer. And it's the third trailer, too. So it's surprising they don't just give away the entire movie because I feel like they normally do that in Hollywood these days. But yeah, this one was good. I mean, it gave little scenes maybe that you could have kept from the movie, but I'd rather they do that than explain the entire story. In general, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's a good trailer. People saw it before going to the movies and they wanted to go. So, I mean, it made a shit ton of money. So, yeah, I think it was good. I think it was like four months ago. This was like a month before the movie came out. So this was like the last, last trailer. I think it's interesting that this sells the movie so much more on like Shrek and the the connectedness to that universe and the pre-existing IP than even the stars. Like, I don't even know if it says like Florence Pugh's name or John Mulaney's name. And if it does, it's like, not very hype like placed upon and when you think again like all these animated movies whether it's the new ninja turtles movie coming out later this year or you know sing or like whatever it is it's like here's the stars boom 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 here's all the voice actors um and this one is more focused on shrek which i'm not necessarily saying that's a better thing (laughs) that it's so focused on this pre-existing ip but i think it is definitely interesting that that is what they decided to sell this movie on i feel like that makes sense though i mean shrek again box office just massacre every time a movie would come out i feel like and even like the new dreamworks um like studio intro it's like heavily like shrek's a big part of that i feel like we haven't seen what a shrek movie for at least 10 20 years not 20 years right but anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know i i feel like people just like that character in general so it makes sense they're gonna try and sell it on that but it is kind of a little bit past its prime i would say it's not the shrek era anymore i don't think Hey, Shrek 5 coming soon. Hey, Shrek is love. Shrek is life. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's move over to the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's start with the good. Cody, what's the good, man? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it already, but the wolf, I think, is awesome. Just super menacing for a kid's movie. But I'll move past that. I think the voice work is actually pretty dang good in here. Antonio Banderas, great guy. I think you can't really replace him as Puss in Boots. Uh, obviously, you're talking about that cartoon, which I kind of just want to check out to see <laughs> how good of an impression it was. Um, but Salma Hayek, I think, is just incredibly underrated in Hollywood altogether. Shout out Grown Ups. And um, yeah, she's great in this movie as well. But past that, I mean, like I said already, the opening scene, I love visually. And shout out the Gingerbread Man for possibly one of the best cameos in an animated movie of time. But yeah, uh, I'm pretty high in this movie. I feel like we covered most of what I want to talk about, but come on. Give the ginger brand his due. I feel like he deserved a couple more scenes after that Steeler. What about a Gingy spinoff movie, Cody? I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> if you if you have like a, a Gingy just join kind of this team friendship, I guess, that they started in this movie, that'd be dope. Um, kind of just throw in a couple more, you know, Shrek characters in here. And I, I think you could you could spin this off a bunch of different ways. But yeah, I'd be down. Nice. Um, a couple of good things for me. Uh, we've we've talked about a lot of this stuff already, but like just the fact that they put this theme of existential dread and this idea of being past your prime and you know having to retire and hang it up and you know there's like a literally he has like a funeral for himself and you know he's trying to you know accept his life and his death uh, in an animated kids movie is, is I love it I think it's hilarious and I also I think it speaks to feelings that I have in my own life and it's relatable in a certain way that you don't often find in movies like this so I really appreciate that about it the animation incredible I do want to just talk about like 
you said the stone troll fight, particularly the scenes when he's like running across the building and the perspective is switching and we're following behind him. Um, also that final fight with death, this part where you like see the reflection of Puss in Boots in the blades and the wolf in the blades. And then there's the reflection of each other in their eyes. Um, there's the giant ring of red fire around. There's just like so many cool stylistic choices and images throughout the entire movie um, that just really continue to stick with you, stick with you throughout. Even the idea of this wishing star, it's like so important that the aesthetic of that and, and what that looks like is, is fully captured as something that's like magical and mystical that you would want to go after. Um, so just really impressive job by the animators and everything about the journey through like the dead forest and the cool map changing and the constant setting and location switching is the best part of the movie. In my yeah, opinion. I was going to say that too. I mean, just the constant like changing of setting, I feel like does lend itself perfectly to this animation style. Because everything that kind of you would want in this movie, just from a visual standpoint, from those like creators, I feel like they're kind of they can explore anything they want. Just because every ten minutes, like somebody new picks up the map, and they can kind of you know branch off into a different direction. So yeah, I, I like that a lot. Everything about this is movement, and you know, cats are always running around and jumping off walls and flying off stuff. So it fits very well with that theme. But like the camera quote unquote is constantly moving it's never still the characters are always moving perspectives are switching so it's it's a very active and constantly moving um movie kindy what do you like about it i had a couple things i really loved kind of the side storyline of goldilocks and the three bears i thought all the voice actors that played those parts were excellent i thought a lot of the exchanges between those characters were really funny it obviously wasn't like the central part of the story, but I thought it was like a fun little side story. I definitely would love to see more with Goldilocks and the Three Bears. So I really enjoyed that. I think the biggest thing for me, though, was just kind of it kind of goes with what you said, but like the mental health themes that are kind of underlying in this, you know, Puss in Boots, he's kind of hit rock bottom. His confidence is shaken like he doesn't feel like he can really have a life. And like, I think at one point you know, they kind of suggest to him, like, everyone else only has one life, like, you have to live this one life, and you kind of see Puss and Boots almost have these moments of, like, anxiety attacks or panic attacks a couple times, and, like, in particular, there's the one scene where he's, like, having that kind of moment, and he's got Perito comes and, you know, lays on him and kind of helps him come back down from that, um, yeah, and then of course there's even there's even like the the jokes or the mention of him being like a therapy dog for him. Yeah, and rubbing dog. his belly and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I think some of that I think is just because of you know what I do for work and stuff. But I love that that's kind of had more of more prevalence in kids' movies now because I think it's just you don't have to beat it over the head, but just having those like normal things included. So that was something that I just really loved about this movie that they kind of had those honest things and tied it in, like you said, with just kind of figuring out what's next for yourself and like this existential crisis and like how you move forward. I thought that was a really excellent part of this movie. The resolutions of of both the Goldilocks story and the Puss in Boots story is about accepting things and, and enjoying the life around you and appreciating the family that you have and the people that are there for you, whether it's the bears for Goldilocks or, or team friendship for Puss in Boots, um, which is all great stuff. I think the characters are as a whole and the people who voice them, like you guys have said, are fantastic. Got to give a shout out to Florence Pugh again. She's great in this and also just going like 
full accent, like doing her real voice, which I feel like you don't get to hear a lot of out of Florence Pugh, which is fun. Um, yeah. and, and the Goldilocks character is great. Ray Winstone, Olivia Coleman playing two of the Bears as well are fantastic. Harvey Guillen, who plays Pirito, Salma Hayek, of course. Um, and then Antonio Banderas. Listen, the impersonator is good, but nobody can do it quite like Antonio can. Fair. Yeah, also shout out Ray Winstone. You already mentioned him, but The Departed, of course, and a part of that. But yeah, Florence Pugh, do, like give her more movies where she can just talk normal because I love her voice. Bring her back, I agree, for a bunch more of the sequel of this, obviously, too. But yeah, give me Irish Florence Pugh every day of the week. I mean, come on. <laughs> she's not Irish, is she? I think <laughs> she's just, I think she's just regular British, but I could be wrong. She sounds Irish. I don't know. Keep that in. English. Yeah. Nice try, Cody. <laughs> Let's move over to uh, the bad stuff. Cody, what's bad? I, I know there's one particular thing you mentioned in your letterbox review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the John Mulaney character... You might have to reintroduce me to his name because I don't remember it completely. Jack Horner. Jack Horner, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of just like he could have not been in the movie and I would have been fine with it. Like you have enough people, I think, without him with the wolf and obviously Goldilocks and three bears kind of coming together with their storylines. But yeah, I mean, it's just a character I've never really heard of, which I feel like is most the fun with these kind of fairy tale, you know, Shrek universe. I mean, I just don't like him in general, which is probably a good thing. Like it, it they did, they did a good job for me not liking him. His thumbs just like really gross me out. <laughs> Maybe that's just a me thing. Yeah, he's kind of just not interesting either, writing wise. I mean, kind of just like oh, an evil guy who has no other, you know, positive characteristics about him, and his powers is oh, he has a bunch of magic stuff in this grab bag that never ends so you know i'm not a massive fan of that character but that was probably my one main gripe john mulaney's not bad like he does fit the i think the voice role for sure but yeah kind of just a weird character i thought i, I would like to say that that jack horner is probably the worst effect that into the spider-verse had on this movie uh kingpin <laughs> yeah. and then also even john mulaney doing a weird voice role this one's a little bit yeah. more elevated so um <laughs> I agree that there's probably just like too many villains that it's, I think almost they wanted to make sure that there was one person in each point of the star at the end of the movie. So they had to have five people, but <laughs> you could have probably cut out Jack Horner. I think in general, this movie is a little bit too long. It's the longest movie in the entire Shrek franchise comes in at about an hour and 42 minutes. You could maybe shave up a little bit of time, tighten up, give us a little bit more Goldilocks stuff, a little bit more background of that. Gave us some more Kitty Softpaw stuff, like, you know, before she meets back up with Puss, see what she's been up to. Um, but yeah, I would have been okay with seeing Jack Horner removed. When you have villains as successful as the wolf and then, you know, kind of anti-hero, you know, lovable villains like Goldilocks and the Bears. And it's funny too. I didn't realize it was the longest in the Shrek. I feel like this movie is, it didn't feel that long at all, I don't think. So props to it there, but Shrek, yeah, notably short movies, but yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like you could have just cut him in post if I'm being honest and that would have worked. But yeah. I did have a couple other things too. I'll, sh I'll shout out quickly. I do like Goldilocks and three bears, but I feel like maybe if you cut them off at the point where they were in the cabin and they kind of just like realized, Oh, like we don't need a wish. Like we kind of just need to go back to this. I think that would have been fine. And then just leave the, the finale for just like all wolf. Just because I kind of wanted more of him at the end, which again, I mean, we did get a good amount though, so I don't mind it too much. Then past that, one tiny plot point, I don't know, maybe maybe I missed it, but he kept like referencing the Alice in Wonderland sort of like eat me, drink me stuff as like 
oh, I'm going to save this for later. And then he never used it. So I'm not sure if there's just some rewrites uh, or maybe I just missed him using it. But I just thought that was a weird reference because they did it twice too. He's like, oh, this will be great for later. And then he pulled it out when they were in the flower place. He's like, oh, I'm saving this for later. And then he just gets kicked down. So maybe that's a sequel thing. Maybe it's just a couple of rewrites. But I thought that was weird where they kind of shouted out twice and then never came back to it. Yeah, you know, obviously like all those items are supposed to be parodies of like disney fairy tale blah 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 things you know you get the poison apples from snow white blah blah blah, you know mary poppins bag that he's throwing everything into um so i think really that's just kind of that what those things exist for more than anything as a joke as a gag i don't know if there was some deeper thing that it was saving up for but maybe that was in the post credit scene yeah maybe kendy uh what what do you think is bad about this movie um i actually had trouble with this um so my bad was just and not that this was like bad to the movie, but it just made me really sad is like the story about Perito's litter mates. Like that was super dark that they like put him in a sock and like put a rock in it, like threw him into the water. I was like, that is like super, super dark and like really sad. Like I know it's important to his character, but that's kind of what I came up with. Like I know, you know, it's not anything bad about the movie, but I was like, man, those are some bad litter mates. Like that makes me sad. <laughs> Perito has been through some uh, been through some stuff for sure yeah I agree I mean that is pretty dark for a kid's movie too and the funny thing is like he's kind of proud of it like he's still wearing the sock after all that time so yeah I do agree I thought that was weird well you know I think that's the thing about Perito is that no matter what he's going to keep a positive attitude he's going to love the people around him and he's um you know maybe gonna end up in a river because of it but yeah definitely looking at the bright side of everything because he you know he grew into the sock and now he could wear it and I'm just like oh my gosh I kind of had the same reaction as like puss and kitty softballs in that scene of like oh my gosh like you don't know (laughs) how bad that was what happened to you I think this movie is definitely funny but I think in terms of the Shrek universe it is probably the least funny movie even I was, I did re- rewatch the first Puss in Boots movie, or at least the first half of it before we hopped on the Zoom call. And like, there's some decent jokes in there. The plot may not be as strong, but like, I think it plays off the cat stuff a lot more. It plays onto the pop culture references a lot more interestingly. Um, so I, I think this movie, you know, I'm going to knock it as being bad that it's just not as funny as the other Shrek entrance. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there are still tons of jokes. Maybe some of them are more, you know, nurtured for kids, but yeah i mean you're right the shrek movies i think are just comedy 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 and this had a little bit more of kind of just like maybe existential thinking like we're talking about just deeper themes i think in this i mean i think the shrek franchise has always done a good job of balancing that act between like the adult humor and the the kids humor and and even like you watch the first shrek movies and there's some like very obvious references that probably kids wouldn't get but like are there for the adults i feel like this movie has less of that stuff even the first puss in boots movie opens with him like leaving a cat as like a one night stand and getting it's it's just strange the things that are happening but um let, let's move over to the ugly cody you mentioned this earlier well first of all i want to say in terms of like our traditional ugly things i don't really have a whole lot for this movie yeah. um it's a pretty sweet good way you know there's nobody in this movie that's been canceled or anything that i know of um but I do want to call out that DreamWorks intro that you mentioned. They, uh, they they got rid of the old DreamWorks intro. They brought in this new one. And it's this whole thing of like, are, are 
movie studio intros have to be like the Marvel intro where we share you all of our characters and all our properties. And I just hate that. It's like, why does the DreamWorks logo just have to be about how we own Shrek and we own this and that? Like, just show us the dude, you know, on the moon with the, uh, the fishing pole. I, I think that's iconic and I, I hate to see, you know, studios go in that direction. I agree completely. I think that's really, really dumb. And like half those franchises that they went through already, like uh, how, how to Train Your Dragon and Kung Fu Panda, like, I feel like those are close to being over like they've already made like three well, four movies for all of those dreamworks so doesn't like, have a lot of like active franchise really which is kind of a problem yeah also they had the cool guys in the beginning the bad which guys I've seen, but uh, <laughs> the nice guys but i don't even know the name of it that's how bad it is but uh yeah i thought that was interesting but i i completely agree i don't i, I like just the guy sitting on the moon fishing like that's iconic i, I don't know why you'd want to change that um, also, obviously, like this plays like this is movie is a sequel to a prequel of like a pre-existing franchise. So like we can talk about that as like we're in the death of movies and everything's a franchise and, you know, what whatever, like animation is one of those places where it's like, does everything have to be a franchise because kids are like new and they're children and they don't know about pre-existing things. So like we can just give them new stuff, but you know, I guess us adults are going to come back to Puss in Boots. Rise of Gru was another movie that came out last year, Minions Rise of Gru, that was also a sequel to a prequel of an existing franchise. We're, we're just in a weird area of uh, movies right now. It's kind of just like the in-between reboots to a sequel. I don't know. It, it is really hard to even like comprehend where we are, are like in in the plot wise with everything but uh yeah i don't hate it hollywood's hollywood give me more reboots <laughs> like you said i mean if we keep doing this like we're just gonna keep making the same stories like every hundred years almost which is exactly what disney is doing so i don't know in a hundred years maybe we'll get an even better post boost movie so <laughs> keep it going it took 10 years to get this sequel maybe a hundred for the next <laughs> Kindy, uh, what did you have for uh, ugly? Anything? Uh, we kind of already talked about this, but I uh, slid Jack Horner into my ugly because I <laughs> did not love that character. Um, I think there's a problematic person. Be... <laughs> yeah, there's some argument to be made that the role is important, but like I don't think it's a particularly strong argument. I think you know you've got, as we've talked about, the wolf death, this kind of big bad like looming presence. And I think it's kind of different because death is, you know, seeking out this last life. And while he's kind of villain, he's also not in a way. Um, he's a natural force. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I get like you need this more like obvious villain role in a way. And that's kind of what Jack Horner is. And it, everyone gets to unite against him. And then there's like a separate standoff with death or whatever, which is all fine. But yeah, I definitely hated the character. Like I think... I, you could put a different villain in that place almost. I, like Cody said, I also didn't really know Jack Horner. Like when they said the like rhyme or whatever, I was like, this sounds a little bit familiar, but wasn't anything I was like super familiar with. Agree the thumbs and all of that. That was kind of <laughs> gross. Uh, so yeah, just that character was my, was my ugly for this movie. I, I agree. They probably could have just picked a different fairy tale character. I, Jack Horner is not someone I was familiar with either. The pie thing doesn't really have any relevancy to the actual plot of the movie. And, and like, he's just a terrible person. Like he makes a bridge out of people that he rides his carriage over. Um, I, I was on some like wiki for this movie and it was going over the death count. And it's like, 
every single one of them is killed by Jack Horner pretty much. Uh, just a not, not a good guy at all. He turns that uh, one lady into gold with the, the Midas touch. <laughs> oh, he racks up the death count. And it's all his own people too. Bridge, that was actually kind of a good gag. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, despicable character altogether, I'd say. And uh, the thumbs are really gross. Um, but my one ugly, I don't know. And this isn't, it's not really not me. Like, like we said, it's hard to find something in here. I don't know how many times I've seen this in a kid's movie. But uh, there's a there's a decent amount of belief. I don't know if you guys know this, probably. But uh, I think it's funny, honestly. Like, that's right up my sense of humor. But I think it's questionable. I mean, it's a kid's movie, so who knows who's watching. But uh, I wish there was, like, subtitles. So we kind of just got, like, the first letter. So, you know, that would have been a fun, fun joke for the parents, I think. But, yeah, I mean, that was really the only thing I could really pick out here. I feel, I feel like there's not too much in this movie. Well, you know, considering you did watch this on Peacock, Cody, I, I would say you, you could have turned on the sub- subtitles, but um, I don't think they would have given you the, any more information. Something that I used to do sometimes, like you can look at the parents guide on IMDb, which is a thing that like details exactly like what are the sex and nudity that's in this? What's the violence and gore, the profanity, the alcohol, the drugs, you know, all the different stuff. And it'll like scale it, you know, if there's none or, or any. And I, I was just curious. I wanted to like look at this movie versus the first Puss in Boots movie. So um, neither of them have any sex and nudity, so no worries about that. They both have mild violence and gore. The first mm-hmm. one has no profanity, but it does label this movie as having mild profanity. So there you go, yeah. Cody. It is letting there people know. There's no alcohol, drugs, or smoking in this movie. But of course, 2011 was a different time. So there is some mild alcohol, <laughs> drugs, and smoking in the first Puss in Boots movie. Uh, my guess is probably some cigars getting smoked, but... Uh, you know, something in the past couple of years that's been like a distinct turn of no matter what, like just keep it out of movies, which which I think is a smart thing. Um, and then finally, unsurprisingly, the original Puss in Boots, frightening and intense scenes, mild. This one, moderate, because things do get a little bit more frightening and intense. Well, big jump there from mild to moderate. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, we should start doing that for most of these movies, being like, go look at the IMDb. And, and uh, they'll just tell us what's ugly about it. So I love that. I mean, the funniest thing is when you go, like it describes everything and some, it's like in the most, you know, like technical professional terms. So it's sometimes funny to hear the different things in movies described on the uh, parents guide page. I have to say the parent guides are like super handy. I, I haven't used them much uh, with Connor, but I've used them for the teenagers I work with just to make sure there's nothing that's going to, be an issue um and i think my favorite is like when they say oh you know this thing was implied by this and it is very detailed um and they do come in handy sometimes yeah and then like even sometimes it'll be stuff and you're like oh i didn't i missed that i didn't i didn't yeah. pick up that that was a reference to something but okay yeah sure yeah i feel like probably for the first person dudes, if we watch that right now like unless it's an obvious smoking scene but it's probably just somebody at a bar and in this movie instead like it's just all milk so i don't know it's probably just like that subtle i feel like yeah let's uh take a quick break and we'll be right back all right and we're back with whose line is it anyway welcome to whose line is it anyway we've got some quotes and we're gonna try and guess who said them my first quote don't you know i'm dead inside who said that don't you know i'm dead inside I did watch this movie yesterday, so I should get these right, but uh, I actually don't think I know. Nothing from the audience. Well, Ken, do you want to throw out a guess first? Because I have no idea. Um, um, 
Uh, Jack Horner. Oh, Jack good. Horner, great guess and the <laughs> correct answer. Um, obviously fitting because Jack Horner is, you know, a character who uh, I would say is dead inside. Oh, is that when Jiminy Cricket's yelling at him? Uh, yeah. Ethical bug, I believe that's his name. <laughs> My bad. Cut that from copyright uh, infringement. But ethical podcast. Disney's coming for us. Well, uh, we'll throw it over you, Kendi. What's your uh, first quote? You know what trust gets you? A sock, a rock, and a swim in the river. <laughs> well, of course, it's Perito. <laughs> probably, I-, I gotta say, probably my favorite character. You know, um, wow. Puss in Boots, he doesn't lean too much on the cuteness in this one. And you, you got Perito's ugly cuteness to to, you know, even things out and bring it up. I love his makeshift uh, cat costume. I think you should have just kept that on the entire time. And and I maybe would have liked him a little more. So it was about Perito, but it's actually Kitty Softpaws who says it. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, because Perito, he doesn't view that as something sad and distrustful that happens to him. But of course, Kitty Softpaw does because she's realistic and also super negative. I just brought one quote to the table, so I'll throw it out for you guys. Um, bit of a, a D-list here, I think, quote, but we'll see if you get it. The quote is, and we will never wash it again. Mm, I, I do remember this. So <laughs> it's from the beginning of the, like, I know, I don't know who says it, yeah. but it's it's like, a you know, Puss in Boots is a celebrity. He, like, high-fives someone or, or something along those lines, and they're like, oh, we're never going to wash our hands. Or, you know, it's like, that's the joke they're making. I don't remember the specific bit, though. I, I, I don't know. Kendi, do you remember? No, I have nothing. <laughs> you were right on it, Corbin. It's a little bit different from what you're saying. So it's basically a dad, and Puss in Boots is, like, getting to the counter or something, and he stuck out his son's face to help Puss in Boots get up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He steps on him with print. the boot. Yeah, he's got the blueprint. He's like, oh, we're never watching that. So you basically had it, but yeah, it's just some random dad, basically. I don't think it's a credited role, but yeah, I thought that was a funny line. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting also, like, it brings up the conversation of, like, at the beginning of this movie, Puss in Boots is at, like, the highest of highs. He's a celebrity. He's surrounded by all these people who love him. He literally steps on a little kid's face, and his dad says they're never going to wash it again. Whereas the other movie obviously opens on a lower note, um where he's like wanted and on the run um this one however you get the the steep downfall quickly in the first like 15 minutes of the movie and then that sets everything up but it is interesting seeing him you know on top of the world and then everything you know falls away when a bell lands on him (laughs) um i do have uh one more quote for us here you're not going to shoot a puppy are you jack that's got to be um not jiminy (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be him. It, it is not Jiminy Cricket. It is, is the ethical, bug. ethical uh, bug. I I wanted to pick this line because I love the response from Jack Horner is, yeah, in the face. <laughs> Poor Perito. That's a good line. I like that line. <laughs> My second quote, though, is, you think this scruffy geriatric bag of bones is a legend? It's a good line. Um... See, but the thing is, I do want to say that this is Perito because I think it's when they're like, trying to get puss in boots and he's got the weird creepy long beard and, and perito's like this guy the, this bag of bones <laughs> yeah that does sound right i'm gonna double down and go for a, a, a kitty softballs double but that kind of makes sense too uh, yeah kitty softballs already knows him so i don't know i don't yeah think so. fair so it's actually goldilocks um i believe this is when oh. 
Yeah. They're at the house full of cats and they're trying to find Puss in Boots and they do find him, but they don't realize it's him. They're like, oh, this is him. And Goldilocks is like, you think this, you know, scruffy old looking cat is the legend Puss in Boots? Right setting, wrong, wrong person. Yeah. Good line though. Florence Pugh, shout out. Yeah, as always. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move over to invite, fight, night. I dump thee. So, William. We'll start with invite. Cody, who do you want to invite on the podcast from Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the obvious one is is a little double duo, Puss in Boots and Kitty Softpaws. I think just their chemistry is unmatched, and they'd be great to have on. So many stories, so many tales I think they could go over. A sleeper pick that I did want to throw out there, I think Baby Bear would be a great guest. I think out of the, those, uh, excuse me, out of that family, I think he is probably the funniest. And um, he'd have a lot of good stories to do about him and Goldilocks, I'm sure, getting in a bunch of stuff. But I think his voice is probably the best out of those uh, group as well. He kind of has that British slang thing going as well, which I really like. I'm not even sure who it is. I, I think it's one of the more unknown people in the movie, but I think he'd be a good guest. Samson Kayo, he's, uh, he was in Bloods, Truth Seeker, Our Flag mm-hmm. Means Death, you know, just kind of some smaller TV shows. He's been around. Yeah. I think he's a comedian. He's good, though. Yeah, I like him a lot in this movie. I would definitely say Puss in Boots as well, just because of the voice. got to get that. You know, Antonio Banderas talking. I always like to think about who would sound good on a podcast. Obviously, Puss in Boots would be great uh, to listen to for an hour. Uh, but on top of that, I-, I need to get Ethical Bug in because, first of all, Cody, oh, you would continuously call him Jiminy Cricket, which I'm sure would cause <laughs> some problems. Um, but also, I just want to kind of get to the bottom of what's going on with this character, why he exists. Um, I read in the IMDb trivia that the voice there is like it's doing a Jimmy Stewart impression because it's like making a joke about the name Jimmy. I think that was just a weird IMDb piece of trivia that's not true, but also maybe it is. And I want to ask him, why? Why are you doing a Jimmy Stewart impression? That's really like off the wall, I feel like, if that is true. But I kind of respect it. It's funny enough to, for like a deep gut joke, but yeah. They might as well just call him Jimmy Cricket. I don't know. That's pretty dumb. Screw you, Disney. <laughs> yeah, my answer is not really any different than you guys. I'm inviting the legend himself, Puss in Boots. You got to. What would you ask him? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably have to come up with some like good cat questions for him. <laughs> On a logistical level, I am curious about this. His deaths. Do you guys think those, like where in the timeline do you think those took place? Was it before he met Shrek? After, like... I'm a little cu- curious about that. Mm. It's not explained. I would just think it's kind of all over. I mean, I, I tried to look it up. The internet had no answer. Really? <laughs> somebody will make like a three hour long YouTube video eventually and explain it all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would think probably all around. I mean, we don't see any of them in Shrek movies. So I would assume a bunch of them that are before. But I mean, obviously, I feel like a bunch of them would be after as well. So yeah, good question. I have no idea. That'd be a good one to ask him. Let's move over to fight. Kendi, who would you fight? This is probably going to be an unpopular one, but I'm fighting Perito. Oh, no. I know he's, you know, a great friend. He's so sweet. You're just like his littermates. Like... <laughs> I mean, I'm not throwing him in a river. I'm not trying to murder him. I just, he's probably the most annoying character to me. Like, I know he's supposed to be annoying and he's sweet and he means well and all this stuff. But like, I think I very much identify with, like, Puss when they're getting ready to enter, like, the magical area of the map whatever you want to call that 
and he's like oh let's go together and then he just like kicks Perito in on his <laughs> own like I feel like I really felt that in my soul I actually think that's a good pick I haven't been crazy high in Perito I feel like in the beginning like he was a little bit too annoying when it was just him and Puss when the the whole friendship crew started I thought he was a little bit better but yeah he, he uh I think deserves a kick or two so I back it <laughs> I, I can't stand this cody who do you want to fight <laughs> yeah my fight and uh, by the way I, I this is by far my favorite category i say it every pod but i love it um i mean we've mentioned him i've already thrown some slander his way it's the ethical bug you know whatever you want to call him jimmy stewart jimmy greg i don't really care i think he deserves a, a little whacking i mean he didn't really do anything to help out uh you know john laney at all so kind of just useless altogether and like not funny too so yeah, I think he needs to go. Probably just a little flick. Flick of the wrist would take care of him as well. So that'd be that'd be a good time. Also weird because like Jiminy Cricket is a Pinocchio character, not related to Jack Horner. So I, I really don't even know that why he's there. It, it is strange at all. Um, I'm gonna fight death. Obviously, uh, can't say that I'm gonna win that battle, but <laughs> uh, I'll go down swinging. You know, Puss and Boots <laughs> could do it. So I just gotta have faith in myself. True. I mean, he didn't really win the fight. Death was just like, eh, you know. He proved himself. Later. Yeah, that's all you got to yeah. do. Show you wanted enough. <laughs> you could take him. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate that. Let's move over to Knight. I think this man needs a suit of armor. He needs some protection from you fool. So I'm going to Knight Perito. <laughs> he, uh, he's so sweet. You know, he when he steps on the map, it's just bubble gum and rainbows. They could easily get to the star. Uh-huh. Uh, he's just, he's a wonderful soul and he doesn't need any of this slander that's being thrown at him. The bubble gum and rainbows are like half the issue here. <laughs> I agree. Cody, who do you want tonight? Uh, it's someone who has not, I don't believe, been mentioned this entire podcast, which I love. And it's, uh, it's buff puss in boots. <laughs> just for one reason only. <laughs> that's the only way to do it, man. No spotter is the way to go. You got to have extreme confidence at all times. And uh, yeah, he deserves to be knighted just for the the way he went out, I think. But uh, just the unbelievable confidence on Buff Puss, I, I think is awesome. So I had to shout him out. Yeah, that was actually written in my ugly. I just didn't mention it. Um, really? I think James Gunn might have watched this like a little bit early and then was like, let's make Groot Buff too. And now we're <laughs> going to get that awful thing come out in May. So just for all, I don't need Buff putting Puss in Boots. I don't need Buff Groot. I don't, I don't need it. I just need regular... And if he was so buff, why did he die? It doesn't make any sense. He's that jacked to then get crushed by a a bench press. He went too hard. He also went out doing, you know, something he loves. You got to respect it, dude. True. It's it's better than losing to dogs in poker. Or maybe (laughs) beating dogs in poker and then getting eaten alive. Yeah. Kendi, who do you want tonight? Um, Mine was kind of a toss-up between Kitty Softpaws or Mama Bear. Kitty Softpaws, like was totally you know sick of puss of shit but still like came through and she kept telling him like you know you got to get it together but she was still there she still completed the mission had his back told him when he was wrong all that good stuff and then mama bear just you know was you know a peak mama bear she took in this orphan and raised her as her own and like even when goldilocks was you know kind of just and screw you guys doing the angsty teen thing yeah she still was like you know we're gonna support you and get you what you want and help you achieve your goals and even though it's kind of saying like we're not good enough like we're still gonna be there anyway so you know mama bear came through mama bear all-time mother character 
All right, let's uh, move over to the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Cody, what do you got for us? I got a couple fun picks. Obviously, first off, I do want to get rid of John Mulaney. And I kind of want to change the writing of his character a little bit, too. I guess we can keep the same character, but just get rid of the thumbs, mostly. Um, yeah, I think that's pivotal. <laughs> that is very important for me. It's like it, no thumbs, no Jack Horner. I, well, you know, we can switch it. Nobody knows the, the rhyme anyway. Solomon but, Grundy. <laughs> I don't hate that little DC shout out. But uh, give me a crazy Jared Leto in this role instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just I want a real weirdo. I don't know why. But John Laney, like, he's just like pure evil which again is not really interesting. So just give me someone who's way out there, I think, almost on the opposite spectrum. And uh, I kind of just want to see Jared Leto boy something in the kids movie as well. Well, this would have been a good one to do it in too. There's not too many projects where I think Jared Leto would be allowed to be like a crazy person. So yeah, tough you missed on it. Well, first of all, Suicide Squad, they they let him do that. And we saw that turned out. But you know, I, I've, I've defended Jared Leto's acting in the past. I don't want to necessarily uh, defend his character at all, but I will say yeah. probably let's keep him out of movies that involve children, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, in hindsight, that's probably a good point. But hey, you know, the man needs some work. Just put him in the studio. He doesn't have to go to the premiere or anything. Just just let him go crazy in the studio. Fair enough. What, what, what else do you have for us, Cody? Anything better than that? I do have another one uh, to replace uh, Perito because I, I think the voice actor was good, but just a little bit unknown. And uh, you got to have Hollywood stars in your movie, I think. So I think this would have been a good role for, for Tom Holland. You know, he just doesn't do enough work these days, honestly. I, it's just all Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. He doesn't get enough work. work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cut out Spider-Man. He's done like, what, three movies in the past 10 years? So, yeah, I think he just... In a, he was in an animated movie Onward as well, which I thought he was actually pretty good in that. Chris Pratt, maybe not the best, but also not a great movie, I don't think. But um, yeah, give me more Tom Holland in animated roles. I, I think that's somewhere you could thrive. That's probably the worst thing you've said in a while. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> You're hating on my recast, dude. What's going on? Uh, Candy, what, what do you got? So I really wanted to replace, um, I think his name's Harvey Guillen as Carito, yeah. because I think a lot of my issue with the character was the voice. It really gave me like Josh Gad as Olaf vibes, and I just like don't like that. Um, so I really wanted to replace that, and I just like racked my brain and couldn't think of anyone, because it, it kind of has to have like almost a childlike voice. It's like a cute little dog, and I just couldn't come up with a better replacement. So I guess luckily for Harvey Guillen, um, I looked elsewhere. And the person I kept coming back to that I would really want in this movie is Sofia Vergara. And so I was like, okay, the only role I feel like that really makes sense is for her to replace Salma Hayek, which I don't have an issue with her voicing Kitty Softballs at all, but I just really wanted Sofia in this. So that was my recast. I like that. I definitely think she could do the role justice. I think we could throw her in as Perito and just do a little, <laughs> little writing switch. I, I don't hate that. I mean, I, I agree. Tom Holland or, or uh, <laughs> Sophia Margara, I'm down with either. So I'd back it. Uh, I, I will say Harvey Guillen going to be appearing in the uh, Blue Beetle movie coming out later Ooh, this year from DC. Nice. So unnamed role at this time. But there you Love go. that. Jack Horner needs replaced. I, I want to do a little bit of pandering to you, Cody. So 
big guy needs a big person. We've got skinny John Mulaney playing big Jack Horner. It just doesn't make sense. So let's go for the, you know, one of our favorite big boys, Dave Batista in the yes. role of Jack Horner. That was so <laughs> obvious. Somehow I didn't think of it. But you know, yeah. Cody, I think it's because you're trying to, you know, keep that out of your mind. You, you get your Dave fixed later in the episode with a new category. <laughs> Um, but we, we had to give Dave a shot. His thumbs in jelly. I think we'd be okay with it, right? Um, I also want to change the voice actor for death because as much as I like the character and I like the writing and I like the style, really? played by Wagner Mora. I don't even know who that is. I think it's kind of just an okay performance. I think you can bring in somebody with a lot more gravitas, a lot more you know power. And I want to get Idris Elba. Now, maybe it's a little too on the nose, but, you know, in terms of animation, he's never really played a villain like that. He's played more of like side, you know, friend type characters. I think he can be a really menacing person. I think, you know, him as death being like, oh, I'm going to keep, like, you know, with his accent, I, I think that'd be really great. Idris Elba. Yeah. I don't think he's had too many chances really to play like the bad guy. I mean, obviously he has done that a little bit more recently, but. Pops and Shaw, him. of course. Yeah, of course. He's Black Superman and uh, The Wire, too. He's classic in that, too. But yeah, give me more Idris at any time. I think in our last couple episodes, I recast him and you gave me crap. So <laughs> terrible pick, Corbin. But... Well, you know, it's it's about the role. It's not necessarily about the person. You know, Tom <laughs> Holland, maybe you put in his baby bear, I'd be more That's accepting a... of. But Perito, come on. No, baby bear actor was great. He'd be great as Perito. Yeah, okay. In an alternate universe somewhere, Tom Holland 100% has played this role and he's gotten praise for it. So you're, you're out of it today, bud. <sighs> All right. Any other recasts? <laughs> Do you guys have anything? No, I it. just had one come to mind. You know, you're talking about getting a bigger guy maybe for, oh, what's a thumb guy? Already Jack Horner. <laughs> Very and, forgettable. You know, what if we bring in Brian Tyree Henry and throw his bullet train accent in and just have you know this crazy completely different character with jack horner i i think i would want to see that i think that would be interesting i love that brian tyree henry and anything is great and i don't really know if he's done a lot of voice acting stuff so i think that'd be cool to see him as well yeah i like that a lot all right let's move over to our rating cody what do you want to rate this movie oh starting me off this is a tough one. I don't think I'm as high on this film as possibly you guys are. I'm going to kick us off at a, a nice little 54 out of 69. I think that sits right in my sweet spot of, of good movies. Yeah, a lot of positives here. I'm going to go 54. Maybe maybe me and Corbin are about the same pace because you underrate movies a lot. But yeah, I, I think that's a good spot for it. Yeah, so I'm actually am lower than you. But of course, we know oh. how, how this always goes with the scales. Um, I'm going to give this movie a 50. Uh, for me, it's it's like a four star movie. I do like it a lot. I think it slogs on a little bit. And, you know, in general, it's an animated movie at the end of the day, which I'm yeah. not necessarily always as high on. There's going to be things that we've talked about that I like more that I enjoy more. But I think for animation, this is and especially in recent animation, this is kind of the peak of what can be done. Yeah. So how is it a four star if it's 50 out of 69? Though? I mean, the, that's not right. It's the bottom of the four stars. It's <laughs> even with the conjuring at this point, it is the, the lowest Ooh. possible four star. Last week we had X-Men Days of Future to at a 49, which was a uh, oh, three and a half star movie. Okay. I respect that. I think uh yeah, I'd put those about on the same playing field. So yeah, respect. Thank you. 
Kendi, what do you want to give this movie? So this scale kind of broke my brain a little bit. I had to do some math to figure out what was. It doesn't make, make sense. any sense. Yeah. No. Uh, I went with a fifty-five because that, like, percentage-wise, puts it like right around eighty percent, which is you know four out of five stars. So that made the most sense to me. So I'm going with fifty-five. And you're right on track with us. So clearly, it, it makes sense to us as well. So good use of the scale. <laughs> All right, and we'll move over to our next category: post-credit scene. If I told you we were putting a team together, who's we? We're going to add a post-credit scene. Now, this movie, interestingly, doesn't have a post-credit scene, but it does have a pre-credit post-title scene, which is them on the boat going to far, far away, um, kind of alluding to, oh, hey, the gang's going to get back together and maybe we'll get, you know, Kitty Softballs and Perito in a Shrek movie um cody i do want to ask if they do a shrek five mm-hmm. do you want to see kitty softballs and Perito in it and what do you want the animation style to look like oh that's a good question i would say yes i would want them in it i don't know i think you just stick with this animation style and kind of just run with it i mean shrek in the dreamworks intro didn't look the best visually i'm not gonna lie so i don't know if we can base it off that but, I mean, all he did was wave. So, I don't know if we really got all we'll see from him. I don't know. That is a great question. I'd say keep the hot streak. Like, play with what you got right now. I struggle with that a little bit. I mean, I obviously, I want more of these characters. I thought this was a really fun movie. And I know it's from the Shrek universe. But I, I don't know that this animation style that they use in this movie is going to mesh up well with Shrek. Like, it's been years and years since I've seen any of the Shrek movies. But... Just from what I remember, I don't think there's a lot in the Shrek movies that would kind of lend to this animation style. And I also just think at this point, like, I really enjoy the Puss in Boots stories separately. Like, I'm not going to say no to seeing them more if that means having them in a Shrek movie. I just think for me, they're they're pretty separate. Like, I know it's the same universe, but I just don't know how much crossover you could get with that moving forward. I mean, I'm sure they could come up with something, but... Um, and it seems to imply that maybe that's the plan, but I don't know. I don't, I don't need it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, I, I've been, you know, protecting him this whole episode, but I, I don't know if we really need the Perito donkey interaction to happen. Like we can probably, you know, just skip over that. C- Cody, you're interested maybe? I'd be down. And <laughs> I don't know, dude, I feel like just this team friendship, I feel like you carry these into the Shrek movies. I think that kind of just be a glimmer of hope. With, I feel like there's kind of a lot of negativity in the main group already. And Puss was kind of included in that. So kind of just bringing in a different side to it, I think would be fun. But I mean, they, they can do whatever they want, really. That universe, I feel like they've expanded out a bunch. So they can go any kind of direction they would really want to. I think realistically what needs to happen is, I mean, a problem with Shrek 4 is that it's like almost in 3 even. I think it's like a little bit overstuffed. There's like the kids and there's the drag. Like there's so many characters that have started to come. You get the weird Rumpelstiltskin plot or whatever that happens. I, I, I couldn't even really tell you, but I think most likely is like, we'll see all these characters in the beginning of the movie and then something will happen that gives us, you know, the original gang in the Shrek movie. And, you know, other people will pop up throughout. We'll get Pinocchio, we'll get Genji. But I think the, the, they, sh- you know, smartly, they need to focus on this core group. In terms of the animation, I think Shrek would kind of just look terrifying in this style of animation and it would not work well. You don't want to scare kids in the theater more than you have to. And the just the plot of those movies doesn't really fit that animation style either 
I think maybe just doing like a toned down version of this where you kind of introduce certain sequences or moments that focus on it, but for the most part, staying rather realistic would make more sense. We've kind of, we're not going back at this point in animation. I think we've reached that point where like, we're not really going back, but I definitely don't think we can be as hyper stylized as this movie for a Shrek movie, but we'll see. We'll see what DreamWorks does. It's going to happen. So with the financial success of this movie, it is 100% going to happen in, in some form. So yeah, let's actually talk about post-credit scenes, though, Cody. Yeah, basically. Well, I'll just spell it scene, but I'm basically just pitching a direct sequel to, to tie in Shrek. But uh, yeah, we come up from black, you know, team friendships rolling up to, to Shrek's house, you know, walking through the swamp. Uh, they knock on the door and, you know, I don't even know where we're at in the timeline. His kids are old enough. I guess they answer it. And then Shrek comes out. He's got a he's got a massive like gray beard, and uh, he says, "Get out of my swamp," or whatever, or whatever his line is. And then him and Push just talk about you know, oh, nice beard, dude, nice beard. And uh, and then it cuts to black, and you know, it says Shrek will return. So I think just a little, <laughs> a little nice reference to, uh, you know, just a sequel with with Shrek and the whole gang. So yeah. That's my uh, postcard. You you love your we will will return motif. So uh, <laughs> shout out to you for that. I actually don't really want anything that's like a direct Shrek reference. The mm-hmm. thing I would be okay with is if we did like a Gingy and a Pinocchio scene, maybe like oh we flash back to the ship and we realize like oh hey these guys are on the ship too and they're going with them. And there's like a fun scene of that. Um, or if we're gonna do just a Puss in Boots thing only, I uh, I was rewatching that first movie like I said earlier. Um, I did have to look it up because, you know, the villain of that movie is Humpty Dumpty. And I Googled, does Humpty Dumpty die at the end of that movie? And I guess the answer is technically yes. He like falls off a cliff and then yeah. there's a golden egg left in his place. My pitch is we pan up. There's the golden egg sitting there. It hatches, out pops a new Humpty Dumpty. And he's the next villain. But he's uh, like a weird goose Humpty Dumpty or something. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, do you really want to see Humpty Dumpty again? Yeah, give, bring back Galifianakis, man. <laughs> I guess, what a weird yeah. time. Galifianakis in a Puss in Boots movie in 2011. Different different era, it feels like. But yeah, I don't really want to see that. But fair enough. <laughs> hey, man, one year before the campaign, dude was popping off. <laughs> the campaign. Good movie. Underrated comedy. Shout out Will Ferrell. Agreed. Kendi, what's your pitch for a post credit scene? I had a few. I think there's a few different directions you could go with this pretty easily. I think the most obvious one being like, you know, they're headed to happily ever after. So maybe you see, you know, Perito show up in the swamp and kind of like Cody said, you know, this is my swamp, whatever, what are you doing here kind of thing. And then, you know, Perito being Perito being like, oh, it's so beautiful here, whatever. Um, and then just kind of end it there. I think that's, like I said, that's the obvious one just because of, where the movie ends i would like to see something with like the three bears and goldie like setting up maybe a spinoff movie of their own kind of see you know instead of maybe them just going home they find some other adventure to get into or maybe they get home and then you know realize you know something's happened their home's been destroyed yes yeah i don't know i like that yeah, something to set them up and then the other one um that i thought of was maybe we go back to the the crazy lady with all the cats in her house and maybe it shows that there was another cat there that could talk all along and maybe this is the new villain like you've got a an evil cat that i don't know had some beef with puss because he thought he was too good to live with the cats i don't know something like that yeah i like that i mean even just 
even if it's not a direct plot sequel, I think bringing back the crazy cat lady for a little post-credit joke would be great. Yeah, I agree. We missed out her on, on some of the categories. She deserves a couple of nights too, just for those socks. But yeah, I like that one too. All right. And let's talk six degrees of Dave. We're going to connect this movie's lead Antonio Banderas to Dave <laughs> Batista in six degrees or less. Uh, not necessarily the quickest route, but just the most interesting one that we could come up with. Uh, Kendi, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, hopefully I did this right. So <laughs> I had Banderas and Wahlberg and Uncharted together. I thought about and doing then, this route. And then Wahlberg and The Rock were both in Pain and Gain. Nice. And then uh, The Rock and Dave Bautista were both had very minor roles in Thor Love and Thunder. Or you could go one of the Fast and the Furious movies. I like it. Did you guys watch Uncharted? No. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of that movie, Kendi? Um, I I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I intended to watch it for a while and just kind of put it off. I thought it was decent. I mean, I don't know anything about the video game or anything like that, but it was an okay movie. I like I didn't love it, but it was fine. It was a I guess a good like adventure kind of movie. Yeah, you know, it, it's just Tom Holland will never be a Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. He'll never be <laughs> yeah. as good of a treasure hunter. So just in, in comparing it to that, it just doesn't hold up. I think. Yeah, he's just, he's kind of too innocent in a way. Like it's, it's hard. I mean, I guess the character is sort of innocent, but he's still trying to be an action hero. So I don't know. In a, yeah, in I mean, a different it's, way than Spider-Man. I mean, it's a role that like for many years, Wahlberg was supposed to play and it's like, I don't see a young, like, I don't see Tom Holland as like a similar thing to young Mark Wahlberg. Like those are not similar archetypes to me. So that's why I just don't feel like he fit that character very well. But otherwise, like Banderas is a fun villain in the movie for sure. Cody, uh, what do you want to do here? Yeah, funny enough, I'm going on Uncharted's way as well. So Antonio Banderas going to Uncharted, which I haven't seen. Eh, maybe we'll check it out eventually. Uh, through Uncharted, I'm actually going to connect Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. And then through there, I'm going to go to Boogie Nights, which I think probably is his best role. Shout out PTA. A lot of great actors in that one. I was thinking about going John C. Riley, but that's just too obvious to connect him to Guardians. So instead, I went Julianne Moore uh, and connected her to Crazy Stupid Love, which, of course, I went there to Ryan Gosling. And we're back around to Blade Runner 2049, uh, which Dave is obviously an integral part of. Great scene in there. But yeah, I think... I don't know. I think you can go kind of around this way a lot, especially once you get to Boogie Nights, just because that is such a great cast. I thought about going William H. Macy uh, through Fargo and stuff like that too. But yeah, I thought that was a fun way to do it. I like that. It's a good one. I went the mask of Zorro for Antonio Banderas because that's nice. something I think we haven't really talked about is that like Antonio Banderas is really just like doing Zorro as <laughs> Puss in Boots. Like, yes, he's so great in the role. I, Mina mentioned this to me earlier. It's like, because he's basically playing like the animated cat version of that character. Um, yeah. So so we had to shout that out here, but uh, also in the mask of Zorro, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who uh, is in the movie Traffic, which I feel like I wanted to talk about because it's crazy that in the year 2000, the Academy was like, we're, we're not, we're going to just, we're going to nominate two Steven Soderbergh movies for best picture and for best director. So he was double nominated for Traffic and Aaron Brockovich, both for best picture and best director. And that was when there was only five movies. So it's so crazy to think that like Soderbergh in 2000 had two movies that the, it, weird thing to think about yeah, um, for sure. Bad. 
uh, did end up winning best director for uh, for this movie for Traffic. But then also in Traffic is Benicio del Toro, and then of course Benicio del Toro plays the collector who you know has had you know interactions with Dave Bautista and Guardians and Infinity War and you know it's the obvious pick. But uh, yeah, yeah, you should have gone Benicio del Toro to uh, the Last Jedi, his best role. True. But then I would have had to figure it out something from there. Cody. You, you you love that movie. I'm sorry. I should have mentioned it more for you. True. Never bring up uh, Benicio Del Toro on this podcast. It's always bad. Yeah. Traumatic memories for you, for sure. Let's uh, move into our last category, recommendations. I drink your milkshake. I drink it Cindy, up. Cindy, what do you got? I know you've been watching a ton of movies recently. Yeah. I, tons of movies, tons of TV. Um, I work from home three days a week, so I tend to have something on in the background. I pretty much always am watching like The Office and Modern Family on repeat. Those are like, you know, comfort shows, staples. But in terms of like new stuff I've been watching um, movie wise, I just watched um, The Watcher, which was pretty interesting. Um, Is it Micah Monroe? Is that how she says her name? Do you know? I do not know. Yeah, so I've actually seen her in like a couple different movies recently. I watched her in one with the guy from Shameless. Um, I can't remember the name of it. And then I watched her and It Follows. And I definitely want to see her in more, I think. Um, the Watcher was interesting. It was a little slow, but it was definitely suspenseful. The end was kind of crazy. Um, so that was pretty good. I watched Alice Darling this week, which I just thought was a really interesting role for Anna Kendrick and I thought it was like a really great portrayal of emotional abuse which I you would think would be something like super hard to portray but I thought it was like really excellently done seeing like how that manifests for someone who's experienced that um so I I liked that I finally got around to watching All Quiet on the Western Front which is totally not my kind of movie at all so I wasn't really expecting to enjoy that I guess and I can't really say that I did, but it was incredibly well done. Like that was obvious how it was shot. Um, just all the battle scenes were super well done. So I, I can see why it was nominated for a bunch of things. Um, and I finished The Departed today. Um, I've been Ooh. watching it in pieces over the last couple of days. It's the first time I've ever watched it. Your letterbox review is also interesting. Cody will have an opinion on it. So go ahead and share that. <laughs> so I hated the end. Like it pissed me off. Oh. Uh, the rat like not even the rat like the whole last like five to ten minutes pissed me off and I was just like what because it was it took a little bit for me to get into it like that's why I've been watching it in parts like the beginning was kind of slow for me um and then the middle I was like okay yeah I'm super into this like it's really tense like you know when uh Leonardo DiCaprio's character is on the roof and it's like they're maybe about to catch him and you know everything's kind of getting this point of like who's gonna catch who first and like I loved that and then I just hated how it ended it's just like yeah it it pissed me off that that's how I (laughs) felt about it I I liked the movie um the end didn't like ruin it for me or anything but I was kind of just like okay like pretty much nobody made it out and this is marky mark yeah it is kind of just like a depressing ending so yeah yeah, that does make sense (laughs) yeah I mean it's one of those movies where it's like as you watch it you start to get to the point where you're like there's no way for this to end like well for all of these characters. Now, yeah. unfortunately, it literally doesn't end well for any of the characters. Yeah. Like well, not like, even one of them gets to succeed other than- Yeah, like everyone's dirty kind of in a way, like really 
I guess, accept Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Like, he's trying to do the right thing in this position he's been put in and still doesn't make it out. Like, that's, I think that's what pissed me off. Like, he just, you think maybe he's going to get there and then just like, boom, elevator doors open. And <laughs> yeah, it I'm made good. me so mad. But, um, yeah, those are like my movies. I, I would say I'm watching a lot more TV shows right now. Apple TV has got some really great stuff going on right now, obviously with Ted Lasso coming back on. Um, that just started last week. I've been watching Shrinking, which is just like absolutely incredible. Cannot recommend that enough. If you guys haven't checked that out, Harrison Ford's in it, a bunch of other individuals who I haven't really seen in anything else. Um, Jason Segal's in it, but there's kind of a bunch of other people I think that are maybe newer to bigger roles potentially but it's just super well done all of the characters are super interesting so i'm really enjoying that uh dear edward's been pretty good as well on apple tv but yeah shrinking can't recommend that enough uh, i just finished up the last of us last week another really great watch i think i haven't played the game so i don't really have that comparison but from what i've seen even the people that have played the game were really happy with how it was done so it seems like that was all around successful. I watched the second part of You on Netflix that came out. Kind of liked where they went with that. The end also pissed me off with that a little <laughs> bit too. But um, I don't know if you guys watch You, but um, we we have it. I what do you think about the Netflix like the two part release season thing that they've started to do? Stranger Things, You, uh, um, the Jason Bateman show, the Blue. Wing. I don't know. I Ozarks. I guess I don't. I don't know. Maybe it like extends out viewers for them maybe there's some reason in the numbers they do that but like for me I don't really see the point like either do weekly or one drop like either let people binge it fully or don't like I don't really understand that I guess um like they have a couple reality shows um one of which comes out this week that I'm super excited for the new season love is blind it's just like the most dramatic <laughs> ridiculous thing but um with that one they do like it's normally like a 10 to 12 episode season and they'll do like three or four episodes at a time. I don't know. I don't, I don't personally see the point, I guess, but I don't know. Maybe it's just to give people time and like spread out spoilers. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not yeah, really sure. I, I think it. it's, it's motivated by a few things. I imagine like definitely viewership, like you got to have a subscription for multiple months. Also like TV is hard to make. And especially the way like modern TV shows are with like, longer episodes and higher budgets where it's like you're basically making a movie every week and it's like like giving themselves more time to produce these shows is important i think that was huge for stranger things they were finishing up vfx shots like the week it was released um but then like it's just not it's like not the model that netflix has lived on for the entirety of netflix so I, i'm curious to see if it's something that they're going to continue to do if maybe they're even going to at some point do the weekly release thing because hbo max disney plus have been so successful with it um definitely curious to keep an eye on that i think there's a lot of great tv on like kendy mentioned um wednesdays in particular like the busy days for me you got ted lasso releasing new episodes of the mandalorian coming out Abbott Elementary is finishing up its second season. And then, of course, Survivor is on Wednesday nights. Cody, we just missed the episode. We'll have to watch it after this. But uh, yeah, Wednesdays and TV, there's a lot of good stuff. I will say, get your TV in now. There's thoughts, talk of potentially, you know, a writer's strike coming out. There's a lot of things that are 
not necessarily like maybe being pushed to the end of 2024. Like, I don't know, we might not have some stuff come out for a little bit. So, uh, you know, enjoy your TV while you can. Um, do want to give a shout out or a suggestion for you, Kendi. Micah Monroe in a movie called Hot Summer Nights with Timothy Chalamet. Check that out. She plays his love interest. Uh, pretty fun one. So there's a recommendation for you. Like I've been seeing him in a lot of stuff too. So there you go. Cody, what do you, what have you been into, man? Yeah, we've been recording for a little bit. So I do have some stuff. Mostly TV. I have been binging actually Nathan for you a lot more. Made it through a couple seasons of that. Uh, shout out Nathan Fielder. Definitely a weird guy, but that show I feel like the more it goes along, the better it's getting. Season one obviously was was uh, I think really peaked at uh, the escape episode, which <laughs> which I, I do want to do some more research on, but I believe it was like a hundred percent real. Could be wrong on that, but check out Nathan for you, fun show. Past that, the two kind of, I guess, stuff that's coming out weekly that I am checking out, of course, Survivor. I thought they were good. I mean, uh, I feel like episode one was definitely the peak of the season so far. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's definitely interesting how the alliances are kind of shaping out. Last week was a bit boring. So hopefully they bolstered the ratings tonight with a little bit of craziness. But uh, yeah, I don't think I've watched one episode live either this season, which is really funny. I think their viewership is down in general, too. So Hopefully they don't cancel before returning season. Um, but the other uh, live show that I have been watching is uh, Picard season three. Shout out all the Star Trek fans out there. But I'll tell you what, uh, the first couple seasons of Picard just got awful. Terrible television. But uh, season three is actually not bad so far. They basically just brought back the cast of The Next Generation, which is a good show. And yeah, like uh, Patrick Stewart actually seems to care about the season, which is nice. They bring back all these returning characters who we've seen in that show in the past, too. So a lot of fun cameos. Um, so yeah, if you like Star Trek, check that out. Probably you won't. But past that, been busy. I mean, my mom will watch it, maybe. <laughs> She's the one who's making me watch it. But uh, yeah, it's college basketball season. I mean, just had a massive you know weekend of, of games. So I've kind of been uh, taking up all my time with that. And uh, yeah, they kind of start up again this weekend. So I'm on a bit of a movie hiatus. Something I am super excited about is coming out, I believe, what is today? The 22nd? I think, what is it? The 24th, 26th is uh, Succession Season 4 premiering on HBO Max. So I'm pretty hyped for that. Yeah, Season 3 was great. The ending obviously had a great cliffhanger. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of where all the characters at. Shiv and Tom, I mean, I don't even know where the hell kind of they're all going to be positioned going in this season. So that first episode, I think, is going to be a ridiculous amount of fun. Yeah, that's all I got this week. Kind of just excited about, you know, some stuff coming out. TV wise. Yeah, I'm excited for Succession season four. Uh, I've been rewatching it a little bit with Mina, getting prepped for season four, the final season. Um, yeah. I think they had their premiere last night or the night before. So, ton of stuff's been coming out of that. Lots of great pictures of everybody on the uh, blue carpet, I think it was for Succession. <laughs> um, we haven't talked, I do want to just run through movies that I've seen recently because yeah. we didn't really talk about it in our last episode. So, I did see. Scream 6, which I liked. I didn't like it as much as Scream 5. I don't want to obviously spoil anything, but I just think it was a little bit more ridiculous. Um, it's kind of following the path of the original Scream franchise. So this one is kind of similar to Scream 2. Um, but, you know, it, it was all right. Definitely some grotesque and intense kills, more so than the fifth movie. Um, but, you know, definitely not as much as Scream 4. I also saw 65, which is the uh, Adam Driver dinosaur movie. Uh, um not it's good bad. not good movie <laughs> uh i mean here's the thing it's like 92 minutes 95 minutes so like it's short adam driver is on earth 65 million years ago 
and listen, there's a comet coming. It's not, you know, it's okay. <laughs> He's fighting dinosaurs. I think the biggest problem with it is the movie centers around him and a young, like, female childlike character. It's similar to the The Last of Us or even, you know, like that type of thing, like the pseudo father role. The problem is these two characters, they don't speak the same language. So there's like no interaction or character development between Adam Driver's character and this little girl. And it's just like really tough throughout the whole movie for that to like try and work. It's definitely been hacked to pieces to all hell, shot and re-edited and cut and, it's just, it's a little bit of an unsuccessful movie, but I respect Adam Driver trying to uh, start a new black blockbuster franchise. Interesting. That's, so, I mean, there's kind of just no dialogue, I guess. I mean, like, like you know, Adam Driver, he does his, you know, video logs or he does his, you know, typical oh. space movie shit. And he tries to talk to the girl and they do like some, you know, motioning and she speaks in a different language that we can't understand. So like, it, it's just... It's strange. I don't know. Um, also, on top of that, uh, I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for the very first time. I actually really enjoyed that. A little yeah. young Keanu Reeves taking a dip at that before we uh, take a look at John Wick 4 this weekend. I saw Gone Baby Gone, which is Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Poses some interesting ethical questions about, you know, like children and what's best for an eth- like the upbringing of a child and you know making unethical decisions for the best of someone it's kind of a mystery story it's very you know grounded and set in the reality of like poor neighborhoods in boston which i think ben affleck whether it's you know in goodwill hunting the town or gone baby gone like he he has an authenticity and having grown up and lived in those areas that he's able to capture and make it really real make sure the accents are real um, it also features uh, holly from the office as the uh mother of the child that is missing um i also saw shazam fury of the gods i didn't like it as much as the uh first shazam movie i thought some of the effects and directorial stuff was pretty interesting there's definitely some cool choices there's some stuff that feels a little bit raimi-esque with the way the camera moves and the way different colors and lighting and shot there's one really cool scene um, where there's like a bunch of lightning coming down and shazam is kind of shrouded in black Um, but as a whole like I don't know. I don't think it was very funny. Zachary Levi is playing the character like he's like 13 when the actor that's turning into him is like 19 and it's I think 17 as the character. So like that stuff just doesn't really work for me as much. The villains are kind of just mad. Like, you know, it's Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu just kind of being like, yeah, we're on a green screen and we're trying our best <laughs> to make this good. But um, and then the final set piece is, you know, at Citizen Banks Park in Philadelphia, which they is just an interesting choice, you know. Uh, this is the uh, the year of the baseball set piece. Creed three also ends in Dodger Stadium for the final fight. So, you know, shout out yeah. to baseball, I guess, for having an impact. Did you did you like uh, Shazam two more or less than Black Adam? Definitely more than Black Adam. So I wow. will say that we'll take it then. We'll take it. <laughs> um, and then last two things, new releases. I did see the new Willem Dafoe uh, vehicle inside. I think this movie is a little bit too long, especially for a movie where it's you know just Willem Dafoe trapped in a house for like two hours i think you could have shaved off a little bit but there's some really great acting from defoe some really like gross out and intense scenes there's some you know weird allegorical stuff that i can appreciate but uh, maybe just you know a little too dragged out and then i also saw a movie with the worst title to be released in 2023 operation fortune bruise degree which is the like Guy Ritchie movie with jason statham and aubrey Plaza um, and yeah. josh Hardin and hugh grant and like it's a movie that's way better than you expect it to be. Nobody really talked about it or went to go see it. Like it's a competently made, like kind of a mission impossible ripoff with fun people like Jason Satham and particularly Aubrey Plaza. 
and there's some really cool stylistic stuff. It's just, you know, it's a Guy Ritchie movie that falls a little bit flat at times near the end. But that's everything I've seen. Had to catch up a little bit there. Put Aubrey Plaza in more like action roles, I think. Just put her in more in everything, I guess. But I feel like she's really like strong in that genre and she's not in any movies. So Yeah, the role she has is kind of like the, you know, she's like the tech person, the hacker. And in the yeah. beginning of the movie, she's doing a lot of like exposition that kind of slogs her down. But then like, second and third second half of the movie she just gets to have way more fun and is getting to play like this undercover uh character and, and kind of infiltrating the the billionaire billionaire's estate and it, she's great it's the best that's cool i think on the note of aubrey plaza i just need more of her just being herself like <laughs> like she's just such a character on her own and i watched uh black bear recently and that was just like her being herself in the most like unhinged but like funny way and that whole movie was just like so weird from start to finish like I don't know it was just so Aubrey Plaza like I don't know how else to explain it It was the weirdest movie she got to play herself but like also have these super emotional like well-acted scenes and I just need more of that from her because I just think she's such a fun person that she doesn't even really have to like do anything other than be herself because she's just so interesting and funny. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza is great. I think she's extremely well-loved by everyone. Um, I've talked about it before, but like Emily the Criminal is a movie that came out last year that I think she's great in. She's not really playing herself at all. She's doing some accent work, some more deeper character stuff. But I, I think she should just be in more stuff in general, for sure. So definitely agree with that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Kendi, for coming on to talk about Puss in yes. Boots. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll, uh, we'll have to have you back. Maybe we can uh, talk some Modern Family on uh, First Friday Five in the future. <laughs> that would be a good choice for sure. All right. Thank you, guys. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Stay capping. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.